So last week and this week, we're hitting on this theme of God's purpose in our pain. And so um, what I wanted to do this week is kind of focus in on this phrase, kind of, yes, Lord. Um, And uh, I wanted to also mention to you a couple of things just from last week uh, that we looked at some passages in the Bible that first and foremost talked about, helped us understand some of the reasons some of the reasons for suffering. And we mentioned that it's really important to have a biblical framework for suffering because we will encounter it in this life in some form or another. And so it's, it's super important to know what does the Bible say about it? Uh, how should we think about it? Um, you know, is, is God in control or not? And all of these questions we have. And so we tackled some of those and although kind of skimming along the surface and answering those questions, but we mentioned that. We mentioned some of the reasons for suffering. And then secondly, we did say that there are some things that God's trying to say to us in suffering. He speaks to us in that suffering and pain. And so uh, I would encourage you, again, if you have not, uh, if we're not here or we're not able to join us online, they're, they're, they're recorded. You can listen to it because it's a very important that we have a proper understanding of how uh, suffering uh, can be and how God is working in and through that. Uh, Because I I think uh, many a person's faith has been shipwrecked because they were not thinking in a proper way um, about how God, uh, how can God in suffering, how how could a loving God allow these things in our life? It's a logical question, okay? And so, um, um, and I will say too, that as uh, if if um, since we're only doing two weeks on this topic, if you are interested and want to um, learn from some people that have been through a lot of different suffering, uh, you can you know books are a way to do that. And by way of kind of testimony and pointing us to appropriate scripture, there's two women. Uh, their books I've been reading that uh, help us with this. And one of them I mentioned last week, Elizabeth Elliott, and her book that uh, is based on a series of talks she gave called Suffering is Not for Nothing. And then another book that I'm going to read a quote from you today, uh, for you today from, is uh, called Hearing Jesus Speak Into Your Sorrow. Hearing Jesus Speak Into Your Sorrow. And it's by a woman by the name of Nancy Guthrie. Now, I, I point those out to you just because, you know, when you talk about this particular topic, in suffering, uh, it can be very helpful not just to kind of just get the facts, ma'am, so to speak, but to also hear the personal story side of this, of God walking with someone through very difficult times. And that's what you'll get from those. And I'm sure there are other great resources. Um, But uh, I just wanted to mention that to you because uh, some of you may want to look further into it just because of maybe where you're at. Um, to minister to your soul as you're going through something, or maybe to answer questions you've had that we didn't get to answer. All right, so um, let me just read to you something from this book, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the Scripture at hand this morning, okay? So in Nancy Guthrie's book, Hearing Jesus Speak Into Our Sorrow, she speaks about a part of her, her journey through grief. And in her case, in this particular situation, she lost a child, all right? And 
she mentions like in her book that she, when she was going through this, that she read a number of books. She just started pulling books off of her shelf, Christian books, to try to see what she could, could get out of that. And she says, I remember coming upon a statement in one of the books that I was reading that said, God was sad with me, and I wasn't sure what to make of that. It seemed like a nice idea, somewhat sentimental, perhaps intended to help me not be mad at God. But I had a hard time believing it was true. I wondered how could God truly be sad with me since it has been in his power to cause things to work out differently. I think that this is the wall that those of us who believe in God's sovereignty run into eventually. Do you hear, do you hear her struggle there? And I, I think the thing I like about this and, and both of these women that I've mentioned they're just being real, okay? They have a solid theology. They're, they think correctly about God as I, as I understand them. And yet, but yet they're saying, they're talking about the very real struggles that you have when you believe in a sovereign God who's totally in control, but yet is allowing this degree of pain in your life. And it's very hard for us as humans to reconcile that you know, how could God be loving and allow this at the same time? I mean, so this is what she's expressing. And I think it's, it's a good thing to get that out there in the open. And here's what she says. She says, and when we feel it's force, meaning this wall that you run into, this thing, uh, she says, when you feel it's force, it, it hurts. We thank God, if you are powerful enough to have done things differently, why did you not? How can I accept your comfort and believe you want to heal my broken heart when you could have kept me from experiencing this sorrow in the first place? If you'd only given me what I wanted, neither of us would have to be sad. But then she kind of turns the corner here. Again, just being honest, she's saying these things. She says, it is at this place of inner conflict where what we want and believe would be best seems to be at cross purposes with the plans of God. Where we need, it's, it's there where we need to hear Jesus speak. And uh, then she says, uh, if we can, we can hear him if we listen, because Jesus ran into the same wall when, uh, when he wanted something that was in conflict with the will of the Father. And so it's that place I'm going to go into Scripture this morning, but I'd like to pray first, okay? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. It's such a a somber and serious subject, but yet, God, this is something that we all face, uh, whether we've had it to a great degree, pain and suffering in our life, or whether we will have, or whether we've come through something and are kind of in the wake of it. Um, God, I just pray that you grant us the grace to hear your voice today, through the scriptures, and in particular, through this passage of your son Jesus, and us looking at uh, and being able to, in a sense, overhear his prayer to you in his suffering. And Lord, grant us grace, Lord, we pray. Help us, help anyone, Lord, right now in there that's hearing and or here today that's really struggling. Lord, I pray that your spirit would strengthen their faith. Uh, and, and if they don't know you, might they find you here today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, um, I want to take a look at this passage here 
And we're going to listen in on Jesus's prayer uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, there's no greater suffering that was had than, you know, there and then on the cross. And so I think if we want to learn maybe um, how our Savior faced this, this is the place to go. So let me just read this for you. Matthew 26, uh, 36 to 39 says, Then Jesus went with them, uh, meaning his disciples, went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Verse 37, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So, you know, imagine that, uh, you know, there's a group of us gathered here, right? We'll say we're the disciples. And, and what's happening is, you know, Jesus is saying, you guys stay here and I'm going to go over here and pray for a while. And then you ask three of those people to come with you. And then Jesus is saying, when he gets to that place, becomes sorrowful and says, you watch here while I go there. Right? So he's going to go off by himself just a little ways away. It's, but it says that he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Well, why would that be? He knows what's coming, right? He knows what's coming, uh, the suffering, right? So in verse 38, it says, then he said to them, this would be uh, the disciples there, the three at least. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. So he's saying that to the three. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so here we see what's happening uh, we get it, we get a look in. It's almost like we're over we're overhearing his prayer to God, and he's basically saying, um, if there's any other way we can accomplish the same thing, could we do that? And um, I want to go on to another verse here, and then we're going to just focus in on that part of the prayer at first. That part of the prayer where he just says, "Father, if there's any way." Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, I've been reading Hebrews in my quiet times, and, and um, in, in this particular spot, we get a little commentary on what Jesus is going through here, all right, in, in that Matthew 26 passage. So it's Matthew 26, is Jesus himself praying, and here we have the writer of Hebrews kind of giving some commentary of that. He says, in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Verse 8 and 9 says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so it's at verse 7 I really want to look at, that part there where it says that he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. And here we have one of those situations, right, where he's facing uh, and knowing what's coming, he's going to have to face the scourging, the beatings that's going to lead up to him being crucified on the cross. Um, and so he knows what's coming, and so he's crying out to God, right? Probably not, I mean, obviously to a greater degree, but in a similar way, though, that you and I, 
as we're experiencing suffering and pain, something that we just don't want to be there in our lives, and we cry out to God, and I think it's very natural and fine to say, God, would you take care of this? Would you just kind of like heal it if that's what it needs to be done or remove this bad situation or whatever it, whatever that thing that you're suffering in is, is that you want to be fixed. And we should know, and I hope that you know, that you can pray about anything like this and ask God to remove that. You know, in other words, it'd always be like us saying, kind of like what Jesus said, God, if there's another way that you can accomplish what you want to do without this thing, could we do that? You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with praying that way. Nothing wrong with asking God to fix it, to heal it, to whatever. Uh, We should pray about everything. And so this is what is happening here with Jesus is that we're just looking in and we're seeing that Jesus struggled with God's plan of suffering as a human. Okay, we've, sometimes we forget that. We forget that Jesus is not only God come in the flesh, but he's also human, okay? And he struggled as a human. He never sinned, but he struggled with the, the pains that your body has, you know? I mean, all of those things, Um. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not in saying this statement here that Jesus struggled with God's plan of suffering. It's not like he was not willing. Obviously, he was. In fact, there's a verse that says, he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem, meaning he knew what was going to happen there, and he knew he's going to do it. But he's still struggling here. And I just look at that and I say, thank God I have a Savior that... He, who knows what that's like, who, who knows what suffering is like and is wrestling with not wanting to go through that and just saying, God, if there's any other way, please do that. And so I, I think it's good to, to just, you know, we, we want to rush on to the cross but, uh, and then to the resurrection, but we need to sit here, I think. We need to realize our Savior, Jesus Christ, right, in the flesh, the, his humanity, he struggled. And the, the, the guy who penned the words of amazing grace, John Owen, okay, uh, 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 was also a, a Puritan theologian. And he, he wrote uh, the following. He wrote a commentary on the book of Hebrews. And just a little short thing I want to share with you about this, talking about Jesus' humanity and this particular verse, the verse 7 that we just mentioned here in Hebrews 5. He says, um, Christ would not have been human if he had not, had not experienced extreme aversion to the things that were about to happen to him. In other words, you know, you're not human if you, I mean, you're human when you have an aversion to pain. I mean, nobody likes the pain, right? And so he's just saying he would not have been human if he had not struggled with that. He says, although by nature he desired deliverance, since he was human. You know, that whole, Lord, take this away if we can do it another way. Yet, he did not desire this more than he wanted God's will. See, that's the thing. He struggled. He expressed it to in a great cries to God as Father, just like we should. But, he, but in the end, he wanted God's will for his life and his purpose more than to be delivered from that pain, you know? And that's really 
the crux of the message today. It's really saying, you know, we should pour our hearts out to God our Father and let him know exactly how we're feeling. And we should ask for deliverance from whatever it is that we're suffering. That's key. That's important. Um, let me ask, have you done that? Right? If, you're, if you're in, whether in the past or now, maybe you're in a situation now that is a, uh, is you're, you're suffering or there's a level of pain in your life and you'd like it to be gone. And have you asked God to deliver you from that? Because he will sometimes do that, you know? He will do that. And so we should ask that, right? The problem comes if we're not, though, willing to submit if God's got a different plan. That's where we would have a problem. You know, there are some who would tell you in Christendom that they would say, listen, you know, don't ever use those if your will do this, because if you do that, then now you've automatically shut down the possibility that God could do it because it's a lack of faith. I disagree with that. Our Lord prayed, Father, if there's another way, and then he said, but your will, okay? So you, anybody that's telling you that, which is typically in the name it, claim it camp, I'll say, that, you know, if you, if you, you know, but they, many have this, I think, this wrong view of prayer that is, is, has a submission to it, right? Um, and I totally, I mean, totally understand and think that you can pray with full faith, God heal, right? And at the same time saying, but I trust you if you don't. I don't think it's a lack of faith. I think that's full faith either way. I've got full faith in God, not in the outcome. Okay? I think that's important for us to understand that. Um, again, our Savior did this. He, he prayed this. And so uh, there's a verse, another verse I'd like to point out, and that is in 1 Peter 2.23. Um, and, and again, I, I just tried to look at verses that kind of took a peek in at um, what Jesus may have been feeling and going through in that garden, okay? And this is one of them, I believe. It says, First uh, Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. Ever been there? You want to give somebody a piece of their own stuff? You know, return evil for evil? We, we shouldn't do that, right? We let the Lord take care of that. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That last phrase in that verse, uh, I, I got a little, oh, that's interesting, when I also read it in the New Living Translation. And what it says in the New Living Translation is it says this. It says, he left his case in the hands of God. He left his case in the hands of God who judges fairly. So it's like, it's like what was happening is, you know, when you get to the, back to the garden there in Matthew chapter 26, right? After he says, Lord, if there's any other way, but then turns it around, you know, and after that says, right, not as I will, but as you will. And that phrase is where we're at right now. That phrase is where he says, but I entrust my case to you, God. You're, you're going to do whatever you need to do, 
And whatever that is, is the best and the most just thing and the most righteous thing. And so there is this acceptance, okay? Uh, Part of the grieving process is an acceptance of what's happened. Um, And part of suffering, as you walk through suffering, there needs to be some kind of an acceptance that, okay, God, if this is the way it's going to be, I accept it. And uh, eventually we have to get there. Um, It may take time. It may take lots of wrestling. Or maybe we thought we were there, and then we're not, and then we are, and then we're not. There might be some back and forth, and I think that's normal. But but Jesus here, uh, uh, here, the commentary that Peter gives on Jesus is that he was entrusting his case to God. When he's saying, when he says that phrase, not as I will, but you will, that's what he's saying. Okay, Lord, I'm praying for this. I want it to be, I wish there was another way. Could there be another way? But if there's not, I accept it, okay? And um, I think that's a healthy way for us to, to walk in our suffering. That at some point, and I know Elizabeth Elliot said this, and I'm sure Nancy Guthrie would say this too, is that you have to accept that this could not change. This may not change. And be willing to accept that and, and be okay that because you know the God who's behind that. So in many ways, this message today and last week's message kind of dovetail the trusting and the accepting. It's kind of two sides of the same coin. Accepting what God is doing. And so Jesus here, he submitted to the purposes of God. He submitted to the purposes of God. And so I wonder, have you ever done that? And then if you have, do you need to do it again? <laughs> if you're anything like me, I always kind of find myself, you know, wrangling off the altar, um, meaning kind of looking back to Romans 12.1 about, you know, the living sacrifice and, and letting God have his way and that being the proper response to salvation is to give God my life and say, whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, use me. Whatever you want to do in me, do it, right? But then... There are times when I find that I really am not in that place. And so I wonder if today might be a day where you do that again, if you have never done that. Um, Because I I think for me, when I first became a Christian, that was was the first time too, when I also said, Lord, uh, well, just that word, Lord, (laughs) right? Say, Lord, You are my Lord, which means uh, what you say goes, what, where you say I go, I should go, what I should do, what you say I should do, I should do, what your word says to believe, I believe. And so I hope that you've come to that place. If you've not, I, I know the Lord wants you to be there to accept Christ as your Savior, uh, and, and that with that comes his Lordship, where, where he knows what's best, and, and now we slide over and he's in the driver's seat of our lives, so to speak. But, you know, even after coming to faith, there are times, though, where we need to, we don't get saved again, okay? But there are times where we kind of need to, again, reaffirm, Lord, okay, it's yours. My life is yours. My stuff is yours. My kids are yours, uh, whatever, you know, kind of like a, a committing it to God. And so, um, here, I'm going to pray in a minute, but we have a couple of songs that we're going to sing. 
that I think will help you um, re- reflect on this idea of acceptance and maybe even a re-upping of your submission to God and just saying, Lord, have your way, okay? Which is, you know, if you think about it, it's a scary prayer, but it's also the best place to be, right? Is it not the best place to be is in God's hands, right? Regardless of what the plan is. And so, so this morning, as we come to an end here, just think about that. Think about that um, God has a purpose in everything he's doing. From a human standpoint, from the good and the bad. God's working things for his glory. And we need to commit ourselves to acknowledging before him this phrase, in a sense, how you want to say it, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want to do. Yes, Lord. My life is yours. I submit to your will. Whatever it is. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we don't want to fight you, God. We lose every time anyway. We don't want to fight you in what you're trying to accomplish in our lives. Lord, let us just release what little control we think we have and let you have your way in our lives. Heavenly Father, grant us the grace, grant us the grace to trust you and to accept whatever it is you have for us in the present moment, in the week to come, in the months to come, in the years to come. Lord, let us be like Jesus. Let us pour out our heart to you. Let us pray to you and ask you to relieve the suffering, to remove the thing, whatever, knowing knowing in faith that you can do anything. You can make rivers in the desert. You can make roadways in the wilderness. You can bring low the high places. You can do it all. So, Lord, bring the miracles, bring the things, whatever, Lord, we want to ask. But we also, Lord, we also want to submit to your purpose in our life. Even if we don't get the yes that we were looking for. Lord, help us in a fresh way to recommit ourselves to you, to let you have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.